Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. D.L. Moody, a late evangelist and author, uh, said this, Moses spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was somebody. He spent the second 40 years of his life thinking he was a nobody. He spent the third 40 years of his life discovering what God can do with a nobody. The one constant in the life of Moses was his faith in God. Uh, we know this because the writer of Hebrews told us in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith Moses. Moses pleased God as he walked by faith in God. Moses was rewarded by God as he walked by faith in God. Moses was used by God as he walked by faith in God. The one constant that God wants to be true of your life and my life is faith in him. Faith, we know, is the reality, the substance, the assurance of what is hoped for, the proof, the evidence, the certainty, the conviction of what is not seen. Faith is a confident trust that God is who he says he is, and God will do what he's promised to do. We know, according to the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 11, we cannot please God apart from faith in God, because we read in Hebrews, without faith it is impossible to please God, because the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We please God as we walk by faith in God. We are rewarded by God as we walk by faith in God. We are used by God as we walk by faith in God. The evidence of our faith in God is our obedience to God. It's easy to talk about faith and I've got faith and I've got this much faith and I've got that much faith. The evidence of our faith in God is our obedience to God. God takes ordinary people And he does the extraordinary in and through them because our God is an extraordinary God. God did this with Moses and God will do this with you and me as well. So open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 3. We are continuing in our series titled Think Well, Live Well. We are looking at and learning from the example of Moses, our Old Testament friend, about how to get out of our own way so that we can go God's way day by day. I want to take just a brief moment and I want to review the truth that God has already downloaded to us in our study in this series from Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2. So we'll get caught up where we will start from this morning. God taught us in Exodus chapter 1 that Joseph successfully led Egypt through the severe seven-year famine. Joseph, his family, and all of Israel prospered in Egypt. Joseph and his generation died. They passed away, and we know that uh, a new king came to power in Egypt. Joseph and his generation passed, Pharaoh passed, a new king, a new Pharaoh came to power in Egypt, and he didn't know anything about Joseph. The new Pharaoh was afraid of Israel, the number of Israelites that were living in Egypt. The new king thought that 
the Israelites could easily rebel against him and defeat him. Or if they got into a battle, they would turn away from them, the Egyptians, and help their enemies defeat them. And so the new Pharaoh decided, I will try to control the Israelites in Egypt through oppression and hard forced labor. The new Pharaoh also decided, I will stop the growth of the Israelites in Egypt by ordering that all Hebrew baby boys be killed after birth. The new Pharaoh's plans failed miserably. God taught us in Exodus chapter 2 that God blessed Israel during their time in Egypt. God blessed Amram and Jochebed, the parents of Moses. He blessed their faith in God. When Moses was three months old as a little baby, Amram and Jochebed put Moses in a basket, put him out along the Nile River, along the reeds. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe. She noticed and saw the basket. She saw that it was a baby inside. The baby happened to be Moses. She told her servant girl, go find a Hebrew woman to nurse and to raise him for me. And the servant girl went and found Moses's very mother, Jochebed. And so Jochebed, Moses' mom, nursed and raised him for Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter actually agreed to pay the wages for Jochebed to nurse and raise him. And after a point in time, Jochebed brought Moses back to Pharaoh's daughter. Moses grew up as the adopted son of King Pharaoh's daughter. He grew up and was educated in the palace in Egypt. Scripture tells us when Moses was 40 years old, he went outside and he noticed and observed his fellow Israelites and their forced labor, their oppression. And he also noticed that there was an Egyptian who was striking one of his Hebrew, one of his fellow Israelites, and looking around in every, in every direction except up to God, looking around in every direction, Moses went over, killed the Egyptian, and hit him in the sand. The word spread about what Moses had done. Pharaoh heard and Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses. Moses fled, got out of Egypt. He fled and he went to Midian. Moses spent 40 years in Midian shepherding the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. The Pharaoh in Egypt died. The Israelites back in Egypt continued to groan and cry out to God because of their oppression and their forced labor that was getting harder and harder and harder upon them. And they cried out to God, the Israelites did, and God responded. God heard their cries. God remembered his covenant with Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the covenant to provide for them and make them into a great nation. And he saw the Israelites and he knew their plight, and God knew it was time to act. In Exodus chapter 2, we'll pick up in verse 23. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor, and they cried out, and their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God saw the Israelites, and God knew. This is an amazing passage for you and me today. It's full of encouragement for you and me today. I want you to understand as we begin this time, God hears us. God remembers us. God sees us and God knows us. That goes for each one of us collectively. It goes for each one of us individually. God hears you. God remembers you. God sees you. God knows you. 
God knows what's best for us, when it's best for us, and God always does what is best for us. And so we now take this encouragement, take this truth that we've learned from Exodus chapters 1 and 2, and we now walk with this encouragement and this truth into chapter 3. I believe God has something for every one of us in here this morning that's vitally important, that is necessary for us today and this week to receive and to apply in our lives. And we'll begin now as we move into chapter three, beginning in verse one. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Look first, first word, meanwhile. Meanwhile, referring back to chapter two at the end, meanwhile, while the Israelites were going through oppression and difficult labor in Egypt, while they were crying out to God for help, Moses was shepherding the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro in Midian a long way away. Luke affirms this account to us in Acts chapter 7 that we read here in Exodus chapter 3. What was going on? I'll tell you what was going on. God was preparing Moses. Know this, God was preparing Moses. Moses was soon going to graduate from shepherding sheep to shepherding the people of Israel. All one to two million of the Israelites groaning and crying out in Israel. Scripture tells us that Moses was 80 years old when he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb was also known in Scripture as Mount Sinai. Horeb, Mount Sinai, was the place where God came to Moses within the burning bush. And it was the place where God would later come to Moses to give Moses the law for Israel after Moses had led Israel out of bondage in Egypt through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. God was working in Moses and preparing Moses even when Moses didn't know it. It reminds me of the, the praise song we sing often, Waymaker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when we can't see him, God is working in our lives. Even when we can't feel him, God's working in our lives. Even when we don't understand it, God's working in our lives. Even when we may not like it, God is working in our lives. And God's work in us is always best for us according to his purposes for us, which is always best for us. So that gives us peace. That gives us confidence today, right here, right now, no matter what is going on, no matter where we may find ourselves, no matter the emotional state we are in, no matter the chaos that may be going on in around us, we know that our God is working. He's working. He's working on our behalf. And I don't know about you, but that fires me up and that gives me great confidence and peace to know that my God's working right now. He's working in and through and around me and he's doing the same for you. He was doing this with Moses. Let's continue in verse two. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but was not consumed. So, Come with me. Verse 2, Moses is doing his job. Moses is shepherding sheep, and God shows up. Moses is just shepherding sheep. What he does every day, every week, every month, and God shows up. Scripture says, an angel 
of the Lord appeared to Moses to give a message to Moses from God for Moses. Many Bible scholars, preachers, pastors, teachers believe the angel of the Lord here in verse 2 was actually a Christophany. That meaning a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. These happen periodically, much similar to the Christophany that we look at as we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Three went in, but there was four in the furnace. And we look in verse four, and we'll get there in just a moment, but we know and read in verse four, when the Lord saw Moses come over, God spoke to him, God spoke to Moses from the bush, which is the evidence that these scholars look at and say, you know what, this is certainly Jesus. Uh, Christophany, a, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ that we see in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord had a message for Moses. And we know that the angel of the Lord, Jesus, the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, appeared in a flame of fire within the bush. Fire in the Old Testament often represented God's presence. When God came to Moses to give him the law for Israel at Mount Sinai, there was smoke from fire. We know that when God led the Israelites throughout their wilderness wanderings, he led them by a pillar of fire at night. God accepted the sacrifice of Elijah on Mount Carmel by sending fire from heaven. A bush in the wilderness around Mount Sinai on fire was not unusual. A bush in the wilderness around Mount Sinai on fire but not consumed was very unusual. Very unusual. And so we continue in verse three. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? I love this. Isn't this good? The word of God is good. Amen. It's so good. That's why we always get in it and we stay in it. We see this is a remarkable sight. Yeah, you better believe it's a remarkable sight. That's an understatement. Luke told us in Acts chapter 7 that when Moses saw this sight, this remarkable sight, Luke described it and said that, uh, that uh, Moses was amazed. This was also a great question by Moses. Man, Moses asked a great question. Why isn't the bush burning up? Great question. Notice Moses is seeing this scene unfold. And it's such a remarkable sight. It's so amazing that Moses left his father-in-law Jethro's sheep to go over and to check it out. He left the sheep to go over and to look at what was going on over there with this bush. Our God is an awesome God. Say that with me. Our God is an awesome God. Say it again. Our God is an awesome God. This is one of the many reasons why it's so exciting for us to be children of God. We go and do what God calls us to go and do on a day-by-day -day basis, and then God shows up. And when God shows up, he always shows off. We go about our day-to-day -day lives, and we do what God's called us to do, and sometimes we get caught in the routine and the mundane and the difficulties of life, and yet God shows up.
and he shows off much as he's doing here. He showed up. And so we're reminded our God is an awesome God. God does the extraordinary in us, through us, and around us continually. Sometimes we recognize it, sometimes we don't, but trust me, God is doing that extraordinary work. We know that God's ways and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. We know God is able to do immeasurably more above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We know and understand with man things are impossible, but not with God, for nothing is impossible with God. We know and understand that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Our Lord, God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does our Lord withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Our God is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. And we can shout his greatness to the generations that come behind us. We know that those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not be faint. We know our God is an awesome God. We're seeing this scene unfold. Moses is acknowledging once again, oh my goodness, look at what's going on. There is a bush, it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. Our God, awesome in who he is in all that he does. I want us to take a moment now at this point in this passage, and I want us to look at some principles. I want us to identify some principles that we're going to see here in this passage that helps us to think and live God's way. Helps us to think, feel, and live God's way. These are key principles for you and for me. These principles are at work here in Moses, and they're at work in us as well today. And these principles are going to prepare us for all that God has for us as we continue making our way through chapter 3 and chapter 4. These are important principles. We see these principles at work in Scripture from Old Testament and New Testament. We see them at work in our lives. They're even at work in you and me in these very moments. So I want us to make sure that we understand these principles because we're going to identify these principles over the next few weeks. And we're going to make sure we're aware of them, we understand them, because then what's going to happen is a conversation is going to ensue. First, it's God speaking to Moses, and that's great, and that's necessary, and that's first, and that's most important. But there's going to be a conversation that ensues between Moses and God, and we need these principles because the very conversations that happen between Moses and God are similar conversations that happen between us and God. And if we're going to get our own way so that we can go God's way, if we're going to think the way God wants us to think so that we can feel and live the way God wants us to feel and live, we need to understand these principles. We need to grab onto them. And so let's look at the first principle we see right here. And it's simply this. God comes to us with his plan for us. God comes to us with his plan for us. God came to Moses with his plan for Moses in the burning bush. God came to Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. God came to Noah and said, build an ark. God came to Abraham and said, go to the place I will show you. God came to Abraham and said, take your son, your only son, the one you love, Isaac, and go to Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering to me on the sacrifice. God came to Joshua and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. You're next, Josh. Guess what? You're going to be the one to lead my people of Israel into the promised land, which I promised to them years and years before. Therefore, I want you to not be, I want you to not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. 
be strong and courageous for I, the Lord your God, will be with you everywhere you go. God came to Jonah and God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach against it. God came to Joseph and said, don't you be for worry. Don't be scared. Don't be concerned about taking Mary home as your wife. God came to Mary and said, Mary, greetings. You found favor with the Lord. You're going to conceive. You're going to give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name of Jesus. God came to Saul on the Damascus road and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I want you to notice. I want you to see this. This is important. Moses did not go to God in this passage and say to God, hey, God, uh, enough is enough. I'm tired of waiting on you. I'm tired of the oppression that I see going on with my fellow Israelites. I can't take it any longer. So here, God, is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Pharaoh, and I'm going to tell that knucklehead, hey, I need you to let my people, the Israelites, go or else. That didn't happen. God came to Moses within the burning bush to tell Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. God came to Moses with his plan for Moses. We don't go to God with our plan for us. We don't go to God and say, God, here's my plan. Now approve it, bless it, and fulfill it the way I want when I want. No. God comes to us with his plan for us. You see, God comes to us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God comes to us and saves us, and then he comes to us and continues his sanctifying work in us. God comes to you and me by the power and presence of his Holy Spirit in us to carry on his good work in us according to his good purposes for us. This makes perfect sense to you and me because God created us, God loves us, God's the one at work in us, through us, and around us, and God is the one watching over us. God knows what is best for me. Say that with me out loud. God knows what is best for me. God does what is best for me. Say that with me out loud. God does what is best for me. We don't always know and do what's best. God always does. He always does. My plan for me, was to be a college basketball coach. To coach student athletes. To play on TV. To win championships. And I pursued my plan for me for six years as a college basketball coach. God's plan for me is to be a pastor, a servant leader, to preach and teach his word, to love his people, to join him in his work of making disciples who make disciples, to help folks know Jesus and grow in their faith in Jesus. And guess what? God's plan for me is infinitely better than my plan for me. And God's plan for you is infinitely better than your plan for you. God's plan for you is infinitely better than your plan for you.
And I know that because it's true for me. God comes to us with his plan for us. He came to Moses with his plan for Moses. He comes to you and me with his plan for us. Now, I want you to see two points about God's plan for us. Point number one, God's plan reveals his authority. God's plan reveals his authority. God is the authority in our lives. He leads, we follow. He leads, I follow. Now, I know you know this as well as I do, but I can share with you from personal experience, when I ascend the throne of my life, I make a mess of things. And I'm pretty sure when you ascend the throne of your life, you make a mess of things as well. Because that's not our position, that's not our place. It's God's plan, not ours, and he leads, not us. You see, God's plan for me reveals his authority over me. And we see this in verses 4 and 5. Let's continue. We read in verse 4, When the Lord saw that he, Moses, had gone over to look, God called out to him, Moses, from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God gave Moses two commands in this passage. I want you to see him. God gave Moses two commands in this passage. But most importantly, what you need to understand is God's commands to Moses emphasized his authority over Moses. It underscored, it emphasized his authority over Moses. God came to Moses with his plan. God is the one in authority over Moses, and he gave him two commands. Don't come closer and take the sandals off your feet. Don't come closer and take the sandals off your feet. Taking the sandals off your feet in Moses' day was a sign of humility and a sign of reverence. But God, in his grace and goodness, even told Moses the reason for his commands. And the reason for his commands to Moses is, Moses, the ground you're standing on is holy ground. And the ground was holy because of God's presence, not because it was a really nice, fertile piece of ground. The ground was holy because of God's presence. Wherever God is, is holy because God is a holy God. And so we see God comes to us with his plan for us. And God's plan for us, for you and for me, reveals his authority over us. He's in charge. We're not. He leads. We follow. And so we see here our application point. This first point, God's plan reveals his authority of us over us. Here's our application point for you and for me today and this week. You and I, we must humble ourselves before God. We must humble ourselves before God. He comes to us with his plan for us. His plan reveals his authority. So our response at that point is we humble ourselves before God. As we humble ourselves, as we bring ourselves low before God day by day, as we humble ourselves before God each day, what happens? You and I recognize God's authority over us. As we humble ourselves before God, we're recognizing his authority over us. As we humble ourselves before God each day, we admit our dependence on God. As we humble ourselves before God each day, we ask God for his help and his wisdom and his strength to live his way, to obey his word, to walk by his spirit. And get this, as we humble ourselves before God each day, we are in the prime position for God to raise us up in his time. 
Because Peter told us, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in due time, right time, which is God's time, not our time. And so we begin to understand our lives and our relationship with the Lord and, and these principles that we're learning from the Word of God, we begin to understand as Moses is showing us that we first and foremost see God comes to us with his plan for us. He's got a plan for you, and he's got a plan for me. And that's an overall plan. It's a weekly plan. It's a monthly plan. It's a daily plan. It's a minute-by-minute plan. And the overarching theme of his plan is to transform us into the likeness of his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he uses our gifts, abilities, our skills, our jobs, our careers, all those different things as part of his plan for you and for me. God comes to us with his plan for us. And God's plan for us, remember, we got to understand this, reveals his authority over us, which means our response is to humble ourselves before the Lord so that we can focus our attention on him and living for him and following him as he leads and raises and lifts us up. The second point that we see is God's plan calls for intimacy with us. It calls for intimacy with us. We see this and we know this. God wanted Moses to come near to him so God could share his plan for Moses with Moses. And so God wanted Moses to come near to him. We see in verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. Notice that Moses approached God not on his terms, but on God's terms. Moses didn't just go over there and check things out. What's up, God? How you doing? No, 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 no. Moses came over and he approached God on God's terms. Take your sandals off. Stop. The ground you're standing on is is holy ground, Moses. So God's plan reveals his authority over us, but it also calls for intimacy with us. Because you see, God wants us to come near to him so that he can share his plan for us with us. And we approach God on God's terms, not our terms. We approach God by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. We approach God through the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. The only reason you and I are able to call God our Father who art in heaven is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His finished work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection opens the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God. Opens the way for us to call God our Abba Father. Opens the way for us to experience and to enjoy and to embrace intimacy with God. It's through Jesus. We're able to draw near to him. We're able to come to God just as we are, and we come to God, and we cry out to God through the name of Jesus, initially for salvation, and then from that point, day by day, in our sanctification, and our relationship, and our spiritual growth with the Lord, we know that our intimacy with God, his plan calls for intimacy with us, and we enjoy that intimacy with God the Father through our faith and trust in God the Son, Jesus Christ, and filled and strengthened and led by God the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And this is a beautiful, beautiful picture. So our application, God's plan 
reveals his authority over us, our application is we humble ourselves before God. God's plan, secondly, calls for intimacy with us. So our response, our application to the second point is real simple. We must draw near to God. We humble ourselves before God, and then we draw near to God. That's what God wants for you and for me. He wants us to draw near to him. Now, I want you to understand, you know this as well as I do, we need to be reminded of this, Satan will do whatever he can to keep us from drawing near to God. He will discourage, he will lie to us, he will divide us, he will try to create dissension among us. He will do whatever he can do to keep us from drawing near to God. He will distract us in every way possible to try to keep us from drawing near to God. Satan's plan is isolation for us. God's plan is intimacy with us. And so here's the reality. If we want to know God's plan, if we want to understand God's plan, if we want to get excited about God's plan for us, if we want to know how to follow God's plan for us, if we want to know what God's plan entails for us, if we want to be blessed by God's plan for us, if we want to do exactly what God wants us to do, if we want to walk according to God's plan for us, then you and I must draw near to God. We must draw near to him. That was what God was doing with Moses. Hey, Moses, I'm coming to you and I'm calling. I got a plan. Humble yourself, Moses. Now come near so you can hear my plan. You see, we, as we draw near to God in prayer, in time in the word, in our unity and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, in worship of God because he's worthy of all of our worship, praise, honor, and glory. And in service to God, we are able to know God's plan. We're able to understand God's plan. And we're able to follow God's plan in his strength for his glory because he makes his plan clear to us. He's not playing hide and seek. He's not playing hard to get. He's telling each one of us this morning, humble, humble yourself before the Lord. Draw near to him. In Jesus, draw near to him. And he will share his plan as we are able to enjoy intimacy with him. You see, what we, what we understand in this passage, and we'll talk more about this in weeks to come, God knew how to get Moses' attention, didn't he? He did. God knew how to get Moses' attention. I mean, you think of all the different ways, maybe a talking sheep or, you know, who knows, maybe a, a, a storm out in the middle of the wilderness. I don't know. That would probably gotten his attention. But you know what God did? God knew how to get his attention. He used a burning bush that was not consumed. It drew Moses' attention. God knows how to get our attention. God wants our attention this morning. 
So the question is, what's your burning bush? What is it that God is using to get your attention in these moments? Is your burning bush anger? Is it bitterness? Is it a broken relationship? Is it conflict? Is it discouragement? Is it exhaustion? Is it fear? Is it a foothold of sin that you simply cannot seem to break free from? Is it financial troubles? Is it grief? Is it a health scare? Is it a concern about your health? What's going on inside of you? Is it loneliness? Is it marriage challenges? Is it resentment? Is it stress? Is it worry? Whatever it is, whatever that burning bush is for you this morning, understand, realize that God is using that to get your attention. And the reason he wants your attention is because he wants you to humble yourself before him. And he wants you to draw near to him. Because he hears you, he remembers you, he sees you, and he knows you. He knows what's going on. He knows what's happening. He's not distracted. He's not overwhelmed. He knows exactly what is going on with you. And he is using that burning bush in your life to get your attention, to to draw you near to him because he wants you to acknowledge that he is in charge, that he has the authority over you and that he is calling you to draw near because he wants intimacy with you. And you see what happens many times for us as followers of Jesus Christ. We get so caught up and focused on the what we need We need this answer or that answer. We need this or that. We get so caught up on the what we need. What we need to be reminded of this morning and what God reminded Moses of is it's not so much about what we need, it's who we need. Who we need is the Lord God Almighty. God's reminding you and me within the burning bush of our lives. He is who we need. And when we grab a hold of him, we get what we need. Because he is the great I am. He is is the one who meets every one of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this morning, my brother, my sister, whatever it is that's going on in your life, I know that I know that I know that God is using something to get your attention this morning. And he's doing it for this purpose. He wants you to humble yourself before him. And he wants you to draw near to him. Trusting that as you do, he will respond to you and he will give you and tell you exactly what you need, which is first and foremost, him. The altar is open as it always is for you to come and do business with the Lord and just cry out to the Lord. Our ministers will be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, for you, pray over you. Let me ask you just to bow in prayer. You don't even have to wait till we stand to sing and our worship team comes. You can go ahead and move now. God may want you to go and to pray a blessing over someone. Maybe you know about the burning bush in someone else's life. God may be using you at this time to go and bring them, pray over them, pray with them, pray for them. But let me also ask you, sir or ma'am, those here in person, those who are streaming online, could it be 
that your burning bush is hopelessness? Could it be that your burning bush is quite honestly despair because you've tried living your life, you've tried doing your thing, your way, you've tried living apart from God and you have found once again, time and time again, that it just doesn't work. And so I would encourage you, humbling yourself before the Lord and drawing near to the Lord for you this morning would mean receiving God's gift of salvation by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus took your place on the cross. He paid your price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb and he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you. You see, he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He met God's requirement for a perfect sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect can be made right with a perfect God through the sacrifice of the perfect son of God, Jesus Christ. So if drawing near to the Lord and humbling ourselves before the Lord, if God is calling you to receive his gift of salvation, then do so today. Today is the day of salvation for you. You can simply pray and ask God once and for all, to change you, to save you. Admit that you know your way isn't working and that you're tired of trying to live your way. Admit that you're a sinner and your sin is separated from God. Believe, tell God how much you believe in him, how you believe Jesus took your place on the cross and paid your price for sin. Jesus is alive and you can just simply cry out to God, confess your sin to him and just ask Jesus to come in, take over and take charge. And that's exactly what he'll do. We'd love to share with you, introduce you to Jesus. We'd love to pray for, for you, with you, over you. The Lord is moving. Spirit is speaking. Let's stand and let's say yes to the Lord this morning.